0: Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we preview tonight's preseason game against the Cleveland Browns.
1: Guys, your parents don't pack your lunches anymore, but you still need to eat. Have your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash, brown paper bag not included. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,000 cities, so you might find a new favorite. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-to's or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part
0: of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up, and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at bucksnation.com and make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at Jay Yarko underscore bucks, at DH 82 underscore bucks, and at Bucks underscore nation. Football, dress rehearsal, preseason week three tonight, David. Woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> you said. And as enthusiastic as me when my wife goes come on hon we're all going to the grocery store you me and all four children
1: oh my wife never says that and my response is Woo-woo. no I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm definitely excited to see you know what the team's gonna do but you know i mean it's it's i mean i am excited don't get me wrong i'm i'm excited but it's still preseason football and it's not quite we're not quite there yet So it's like the lights at the end of the tunnel, but you know uh, you just, you just want to kind of get there already, especially healthy. Like this team is so banged up that you just want to get there healthy. So I'm really hoping whether it's a quarter, a half or what have you, that the starters play tomorrow that everybody just walks out healthy.
0: Yeah. Well, and and this would be a much more somber podcast if it was a regular season game and the Buccaneers were going to be without Mike Evans, but you and Evan talked about it on yesterday's episode. Um, You know, and in, in the long run, It's really not a big deal that Mike Evans doesn't play. The most important thing, and and I said this on Bucks Nation, uh, the most important thing is making sure that he's healthy. We know what Mike Evans can do. We know what Mike Evans is about, and you don't need him playing in the first quarter of a preseason game to prove that. We know that once week one rolls around exactly what what Mike's going to do, new offense or not, he has a rapport with Jameis. It is nothing to be concerned about unless this is an injury that's continuing to linger and actually becomes more serious than than we all think. We still don't even know what the actual injury is. The speculation that I have seen is a quad and a groin. Like, that's okay. Before we started recording, you pointed out something that Carmen Vitale had tweeted out that uh, involved said Mike Evans.
1: Yeah, so they're doing their, as we're recording, they're doing their fantasy draft with uh, the uh, contest winners there. The nine, I think it's nine fans that got to come in and they're in a fantasy league with Scott and Carmen and Casey there. Uh, so they're doing their event there in the Buccaneers draft room, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, Mike Evans stopped by Mike Evans crashed the party and came in and kind of said hi to all the, all the players, the fantasy players and all that stuff. And, uh, took a picture with one of them. I think it was the one who drafted him, um, for her team. And then, you know, just kind of hung out or whatever and sat down and, and hung out. I don't know how long he hung out for or whatever, but, when he walked in, that was the kind of the key, right? He walked in. He's got flip flops on. The dude, he's not. He's not in a boot. Uh, he's not on crutches. I didn't notice a limp or anything. There was no, you know, medical equipment visible on, him, no braces or anything. So, and that kind of goes back, like what Evan and I talked about, is like, yeah, like Bruce Aaron said, he's injured, like because I think it was Jenna. I want to say it was Jenna. His, the voice sounded like Jenna Lane's voice. Um, asked him, "Is this just precautionary because it's preseason, or you know, is it more?" And Bruce said, no, he's injured. He didn't expand. He just said, no, he's injured. And that right there is kind of what's concerning um, because you want to hear the coach speak of, yeah, yeah, no, it's just just precautionary. Um, However, I still do believe, and I said this with Evan, that in the preseason being injured, quote unquote, is different than being injured, quote unquote, in the regular season. Like – and again, if it is soft tissue, if it's groin or if it's quad or something like that, uh, Bruce used the term tweaked, not like I know like with Mike Edwards and with some of the other hamstring guys, he, he he used the phrase pulled up, which is a pretty common phrase for someone who who pulled a hamstring. But he said tweaked, which to me sounded a little bit like a maybe a knee. Um, again, it's all speculation, which you hate to do with somebody's injury, but uh yeah definitely probably doesn't sound like hamstring which honestly for me when i heard mike evans had gotten hurt in the first place that was the first place my mind went to is lower. please don't let it be a hamstring again but i mean again take it for what it's worth you know i feel like regular season he's gonna be fine
0: all right well david let's go ahead and and talk about tonight's game which uh you know bailey and i did a little bit of that on wednesday's episode you know my crossover Wednesday where I crossed over with somebody that works for the same website as us Yeah, what are you what are you kind of looking for you know we we already know that Bruce Arians doesn't want the 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 offense playing the whole first half um and it honestly won't surprise me if we see some of the same out of the Browns and and kind of the more you scour Twitter and, and start You know, looking at some of these these beat reporters that cover other teams around the league, this doesn't really seem like an isolated incident with Bruce with with Bruce Arians. It seems like a lot of teams are taking the approach of we don't care what the tradition has been. We don't care that this is typically the dress rehearsal where starters are playing into the third quarter a lot of these coaches are not wanting to risk any kind of injury so they're they're talking about pulling their starters earlier or not playing some of their
1: starters at all yeah well it kind of reminds me of the story of of the uh the science experiment with the five monkeys do you know that story james uh not offhand
0: i might once you
1: start telling it but. <laughs> so i'm gonna say it so i'll try to give the quick version because this is a little bit it, it is a little bit longer so it's a fictitious story it didn't actually happen but this this story goes that there were a bunch of scientists and what they did is they put five monkeys in a room in the room was a ladder and a bushel of bananas at the top of the ladder so naturally what happened is the monkey started climbing the ladder to go after the, after the bananas right well What would happen is every time a monkey went to climb the ladder to grab the bananas, they would they would spray them with cold uh, water from a fire hose. So the monkey would get down. Eventually, the five monkeys in the room stopped going after the bananas because it didn't want to get hit with uh, cold water from a fire hose anymore. Right. Makes sense. So then the scientists turned off the hose, removed one of those monkeys, replaced them with a new monkey who had never been hit with with the fire hose, never climbed the ladder, all that stuff. When that monkey went to climb the ladder. What do you think the other four monkeys did? I don't know. So the term we use is they beat the crap out of them. But basically, they prevented <laughs> that new monkey from grabbing the bananas. So now you have a fifth monkey in the room who's being prevented by the other four monkeys from grabbing the bananas. Has no clue why. And then eventually, that monkey said, OK, fine, guys. I'm not going to go after the bananas. I don't know why, but I'm not going after the bananas. And so the scientists, they continued this trend. They replaced this, another monkey, another, 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 until you ended up with five monkeys in a room who had never been hit with a fire hose in the room with a ladder with a bushel of bananas on the top. None of them would go after the bananas, but none of them knew why that's the five monkeys story. And whenever you hear like someone, and, and, huh? I said, I like that story. I like it. I, I tell it a lot, but it's got a very valid moral. And the moral is if you're ever in a professional environment where you have someone making a decision, here's how we're going to do this. And you ask the question, why? And they say, cause that's just how it's done. Well, that's a five-monkey situation. I don't know why we're doing it. We're just doing it because everybody else is doing it. Well, that's what playing your starters three-quarters or whatever, the first half of the third preseason game, that's what this has become over time is a five-monkey situation where every new coach gets hired and says, well, yeah, of course, it's the third preseason game. It's a dress rehearsal, quote-unquote. We all say the same things. Guys like Bruce Arians, if you read his book, if you know his history, if you just listen to him talk, you know he's not a five-monkeys guy. He's the, he's the guy in the room who's going to continue going after the bananas and tell the other guys, you're all crazy. Sit down and shut up while I go get these bananas because you're stupid. Um, <laughs> and I think more and more what we're seeing is that people like those trend breakers, right? So, so we're, so we got guys like Sean McVay out there who are trying to be difference makers. who are trying to do things a little bit differently. You got guys who are, you know, we go back to, to coach Walsh. You know what I mean? He, he tried to do things a little bit differently. Monty Kiffin with his defense and, and Tony Dungy and all that stuff. Like, when you have people who come at things differently, you find that you can, you can make a difference. Now, what I think people are learning is if you're only going to unveil 10 to 15% of your offense or your defense, especially as a new coach on a new team, nobody knows what you're doing right now. There is no real logical reason to have your players on the field for three quarters of a stinking preseason game because if you're doing that, the opposing defense playing the game Eventually, you're going to start repeating looks. You're going to start repeating plays. These guys are NFL players. Even guys who get cut, they're NFL players for a reason. You know how good you have to be to suck in the NFL? Oh, yeah. You're still,
0: what, in the top 1% of people that have ever played football
1: ever? Right. So when you're doing that, you put Chris Godwin on the field against Denzel Ward for three quarters. Eventually because you're only unveiling 10 15% of your offense, Denzel Ward is going to have seen every single route that Chris Godwin is going to run in this game and he's going to recognize it and he's going to pick up on it. And eventually, because he's still a competitor in an NFL game, you're going to put your wide receiver in a position, you're going to put your quarterback in a position where things can go very badly very quickly, either in performance or in health. And when you do that, we call it it's, it's kind of like overtraining, right? When you do that, you're just now you're just you're working against yourself because you make all this progress, you you step up your snap count, you step up your reps, you get more consistency, you get more production, and then you get to a point and you go, hmm, man, this has gone really well. We're only a quarter and a half in, but it's the third game, man. We, st- we got to get to at least halftime, just because that's how you do it. That's just how it's done. And now that's when you start getting interceptions. That's when you have a receiver who who gets stripped for a fumble because the guy knows what's coming. That's when you have a receiver get undercut and blows out a knee because the def- defender knows what's coming, or vice versa. You know what I mean? That's where bad things can happen, and I think that's what coaches are starting to see is if you're not coming out here with a full game plan, you're not coming out here with a full arsenal of of combating your opponent, eventually your opponent's just going to learn what you're going to do, and now you're setting yourself up for failure. And that's where, so like Coach Aaron talks about, his coaches asked for a full half. He says, I don't think you need a full half. What he's saying is, I think we can get through everything we want to accomplish in week three before we get to halftime. And if we do, we're not going to keep our guys out there for the sake of keeping them out there. In the Army, we call it training to standard instead of training to time. If you're out there saying we're playing till halftime with our starters, you're training to time. And that has the potential to go really, really bad. But if you're training to standard, then you're going out there and saying, you know what? Jameis has come out here. He's 11 for 15, he's got a buck 25. He's got a touchdown. He's out an interception. And he's been sacked a couple times. Hey, guys, we're good. We've accomplished some good things. We've got some bad things on tape to study for the next week and for regular season. Let's call it done instead of continuing to go on, and maybe we get another touchdown out of it. Okay. Is that going to make you feel good about the turnover? Is that going to make you feel good about the sacks? I don't know. But maybe we get a sack and our quarterback tears his shoulder. Yeah, you know what? Maybe let's not do that. So I think that's really where Bruce Ayrton is coming from, and you see that there are some other coaches – uh, I expect Freddie Kitchens to probably play very similar, honestly, uh with, with his team uh in, in this game. And I think that'll continue to become the trend and that'll almost kind of become the new five monkeys. Like, you know, remember when we used to play three quarters? Why don't we do that? Well, oh, nobody does that anymore. And then it's kind of like the opposite <laughs> of, you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. I talked oh, for a long absolutely. time, so I'm gonna shut up absolutely. now. Absolutely. Well, and and that's you know, I'll 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 give your
0: vocal cords a break because we're gonna get into our uh our players to watch and our score predictions here and I guess I'll go first you have your your players to watch coming out uh as you're listening to this today uh over at Bucks Nation and I'll tell you a guy that I'm I'm going to keep an eye on last week it was it was Sean Murphy bunting didn't really see a whole heck of a lot but as you and I discussed a a DB that's not having his name called a whole lot May actually be a good thing. I never went back and, and rewatched the game, so I didn't I didn't focus on him too much uh, from that aspect. But I'm gonna get away from the DPs, but I'm gonna stay on the defensive side of the football. I want to see a little bit more out of Shaq Barrett. He had some flashes against Miami, had a sack, you know, was starting to starting to shine a little bit. And this is a guy when we spoke to him right here on this very podcast he said that he wanted the opportunity to start and he felt he was good enough to start. So I want to see some of that out of him in, in what is supposed to be this dress rehearsal. I want to see that out of him against somebody as elusive and talented as Baker Mayfield against an offense that is potentially as high powered as the Cleveland Browns. So that's, that's kind of who I'm going to focus on. I realize that's a little bit bigger of a name, but this is a little bit bigger of a game as far as preseason is concerned. So I want to see the guys out there making plays that we're going to be seeing every Sunday. Yeah, the the Cinderella st- stories are great, and the the undrafted guy who emerges to make the initial fifty three is awesome, and and all this. But when it comes down to it, those are the guys that will they'll contribute here and there. I want to see something out of the guys that we expect to contribute on a. Every down basis,
1: which makes total sense. I mean, this is you know this is still is considered the quote unquote dress rehearsal, so it's it's the most you're going to see out of your starters until regular season kicks off. So it's just natural to want to see more out of those those main guys, those starters as as you call them. I think Shack is still technically a backup on on the depth chart, but I mean, as many linebackers are going to be firing off those those positions are so fluid uh, that you can probably. Call him a starter and be good with it anyway. Yeah, but well, like you said, I've got my players to watch, which is it's supposed to be four players. I've had five the first two weeks, um, only because I added Matt Gay in there just because uh he's a stud. But it's supposed to actually be four players. I still ended up with five technically because one of the players to watch is actually two players. I'm not gonna give that away. So I'm going to, this is a this has been a challenge for me every week because I want to go with somebody who's not on my written piece because I want to give our loyal listeners, a reason to go read uh, the post. I don't want to give away everything that's in there. What I will say, though, is that Shaquille Barrett. So every week I like to, I've been adding a voters poll and basically letting the readers choose an extra player for me to watch who will then recap their performance in the post game. And Shaquille Barrett is definitely one of those options. So it's really cool that you said that. I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, the other options are Bobo, Tanner Hudson, and Jamel Dean. Um, so so the readers will get to vote on who I will watch in addition to my guys. So I'm going to voice another one uh, because obviously I'm not just going to watch those those singular players. But I'm going to voice another one. The player that's not listed in my written post um, that I that I will say that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more of is Noah Spence. Then again, a bigger name, a starter, you know, all that stuff. Same position as your guy, but I think that that's that's kind of indicative of what this defense is right now. You know, the the pass rush for this defense. Is expected to come by and large from the linebackers. You know, you want to get some penetration up front, obviously some disruption up front, and you know you'll have your safeties and corners come in every once in a while. But I think by, mainly the, the linebackers are going to be the ones looked at to cause the most havoc in the backfield for opposing quarterbacks. And Noah Spence is kind of one of those guys. And really, since the combine, James, you remember, Jason Light was kind of the first one to almost light this fuse when he said, "I expect big things from Noah Spence in this new defense that I think suits him much better." like you and I, I remember like our like our eyes lit up and we're like, oh, buddy, let's go. And yeah. in Pittsburgh, he showed a lot of good stuff. In Miami, I think he had two tackles or like an assisted tackle. I can't remember. He, he wasn't on the field long. I got it. But I will tell you that I was looking at him for a couple of plays here and there. And when I tell you that Laramie Tunsil stiff-armed this dude, I mean, there were a couple reps, man, where Noah Spence was coming to Laramie Tunsil. Laramie stuck his left arm out and literally just stopped Noah in his tracks. And Noah couldn't do anything to get away from him. And it was very disheartening. Because as talented as as Laramie Tunsell is, I mean, he's not Joe Thomas. You know what I mean? He's a very talented guy. Don't get me wrong. But he's not Joe Thomas. He's not this all-pro every-year, world-beater, Hall of Fame caliber offensive lineman. Maybe he'll become that. Granted, I'll, 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 I'll concede that point. But when you talk about a pass rush, you talk about an outside linebacker, you talk about a guy like Noah Spence, you want – and Coach Aaron's talked about this, you want to see consistency. You want to see him doing some of the things he did in Pittsburgh consistently. And when he does it in Pittsburgh, but he doesn't do it against Miami, now you need to see him come back and do it against Cleveland. And especially with the larger sample size that we're going to see, we're going to see a little bit more of this defense. We're going to see a little bit more of the, the, the blitz schemes and all that stuff. And Noah's going to have more reps than he's had so far in the preseason. He's going to have more opportunities. To get after uh the quarterback. And I'm necessarily even saying I need to see sacks, but I just need to see him engage with a blocker and disengage from a blocker. I would like to see Noah Spence getting penetration, getting in there, getting off of his blocks. And, you know, a sack would be nice, but it's not necessary. You know, if he's getting hands and faces, if he's if he's pushing linemen back or, or causing some problems there, I'll be happy with that too. I just want to see I just don't want to see him getting stood up and stiff armed by an offensive lineman again. All right, David, what is your score prediction? Score prediction? I'm going to go 17 to 8. Who? Yeah, Tampa.
0: 17 to 8. That's what I said. Interesting.
1: These are preseason score predictions. So we're, we're testing some theories, and we're, we're we're getting a little crazy with it to see where we need to – you know what I mean? That's what preseason is all about. We're going to test some things, see where our limits are, see where we're good, see where we're bad. I'm doing the same with my preseason score predictions.
0: I'm going to go 23-21. Matt Gay does it at the buzzer again. (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode.
1: Let me me ask you a question. Uh Uh-oh. Does Matt Gay do it at the buzzer because Cairo Santos missed one earlier? No. It's because the job is Matt Gay's. Well, because Cairo's getting the first long one. So I'm just thinking... If Cairo misses the first long one and that ends up in a situation where the Bucks can win the game with a with a field goal towards the end of the game again, Gay could be coming on that field to kick a game-winning field goal again for the second straight week because Cairo missed one earlier. I mean, Because Bruce said Cairo's getting the first long one. Okay, and Cairo can have the first long one. Gay's getting the last one. Okay, so that Cairo counts. will make his, but Gay's going to make his as well. Yes. Got gotcha. you. And then is a Chicago Bear. Or New York Jet. Gotcha. Dragon.
0: Please check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at lockedonbucks at Jarko underscore Bucks at DH82 underscore bucks and at Bucks underscore Nation. Send us your post game reactions to 813-444-5841. We will get to as many of the voicemails as possible, just like we're playing this one from our good friend Chris here at the end of the episode to take us out. Hope you all have a phenomenal Friday. If you're going to the game, enjoy yourselves. J.C. Cornell, good friend of the show, good friend of ours from the Draft Network, will be there. He's very excited for his first in-person Buccaneers experience in the Bruce Arians era. If you're heading out there, be safe, be uh, be kind and courteous to all your fellow Bucks fans, and we thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks.
2: Hey James and hey David, it's Chris at TV underscore Bucks underscore for life. Just real quick, um, wanted to talk about the Jason Light extension. Obviously, we knew it was probably going to happen. I mean, how many times have we heard B.A. say, I'm here because of Jason Light, I'm here because of Jason Light. They trust each other. And then just one point I want to make is, look, if, if the Glazers wanted to get rid of Jason Light, they would have gotten rid of them back in October when they fired Mike Smith. Generally because you want to be able to get a new GM in the building and have time for him and his new front office scouts to come in and evaluate players for the upcoming draft. If you're hiring a GM in January, you're really rushing Everything going into the draft, you know, combine in February and then a few more months to evaluate players. I mean, that's a hard, tough task to do. To ask a GMA, I'm hiring you, you got three months to get ready for the draft. Not that it hasn't been done before, but it's just not something that most, you know, it's not the precedent that's set in the NFL. And secondly, this whole Derwin James Vita Vea. Probably going to be the last time I talked about it. But here's the point is I think it was David that brought it up in the last podcast about you have to work with your coaches and who you're drafting your players or what players you're drafting. Okay. So we know that it was Vita Vea and Derwin James were almost one A, one B. Obviously Vea B, and one A. But if Jason Mike goes to Mike Smith and goes, Hey, which player do you need the most here to be successful? And Mike Smith goes, I need Vita Vea because I need, you know, we need to build in the trenches. He's more important to the scheme than Derwin James. What is Jason Mike supposed to do? Not give the coach what he needs or what he's saying he needs to succeed? And it's a big political game. I get it. I know, but at the same time, when the Glazers go, Hey, what happened, Mike Smith? Mike Smith, well, I asked for V to A and Jason drafted Derwin James. So I, we don't see the whole behind the scenes. And I'm sure it's probably more in depth than that, but when I mean, you get the point, um, that's the way I see. It. GMs just aren't drafting players they like. They have to draft players that the coaches want and that the coaches think are going to be successful in their scheme. Does that make me crazy?